You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast the week of spring football, the week of March 20. I don't know. We're recording this on Saturday, so my equilibrium is all thrown out here. But the 22nd is when you're going to be listening to this. The 23rd on Tuesday is when spring practice begins. Scott and I are here to talk about kind of what to look for in spring practice, like it's going to be going on for what five weeks. So there's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about throughout, but basically I kind of went through and rolled basically that there's been a lot of depth charts that have been projected through multiple media sources, Detroit news, M live, the athletic with Colton Pouncey. I kind of just tabbed everything together and, and I thought there was some interesting results there. So we'll talk about that. Obviously we're in the middle of March madness. Uh, We don't, really need to talk about Michigan state, Scott. Um, I'll start with the standard. Like it's this time of year, the obligatory question, like it's Saturday, but uh, how's your bracket doing? Oh, well, yeah, go green. I mean, to all the fans, it was a tough season, but like Kevin said, we're not going to waste our airtime talking about that. It was frustrating. The kids played hard, didn't work out. So we're moving on the brackets. Uh, first of all, thank you to everybody who joined our bracket pool. I think we got a little over 20 people. So we got a pretty solid, uh, solid group going here. Uh, my brackets off to a decent start. I'm in second stim Kramer. I do not know who you are, but you may have to identify yourself soon Crushing if you it. keep this up. Cause you're doing great. And our guy, Eric, um, you know, things could turn up. You got a decent, uh, Max here, but uh, but a slow start so far for Eric and uh, his Baylor Bears led bracket. We'll see how it shakes out, but I'm I'm pretty happy so far. I mean, it's been a wild. I don't know if it's like the fact that we haven't had a March Madness in two years, or if this really has been different. But this feels like we've already had some really wild upsets. I think we have a, a 15, a 13. We are no longer 12. the last two seed to lose. So that's thank god (laughs) yeah no it's uh it's it's awesome 11 12 13 and 15 seeds have all won already and we're only halfway through the first round so um other than obviously the first four madness um it's been a great start we'll see what what shakes out today obviously by the time people listen to this they'll be through the first round and half of the second round they'll be in the middle of the second half of the second round so um, we'll be a little bit behind as usual, but um, 
I mean, it's always fun. It's it definitely takes a little bit of heart out of it, not having our Spartans in there, but, you know, being able to look at it unbiased, I'm not trying to, you know, I don't have green tint on any of these games other than maybe, you know, the U of M or some of the big 10 leans. So um, a lot of fun, excited for another day of it. And, uh, and brackets doing pretty well so far. There is something nice. Like I obviously like, don't, don't take this the wrong way out there. I've been, I was born into like an MSU blanket. Like I live and die with this team, football, basketball, anything, but there is something kind of nice about watching the tournament without like, you're just kind of like, you're not nervous about Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're sitting there watching games on Saturday you're not like worrying about what's going to happen on Monday when we play or something like you're just kind of watching madness. You're watching the basketball without that kind of just sports fan anxiety. So I, I do think there's something to that. That is a little bit nice. Like, obviously I prefer the alternative, but I don't know. Uh, the, the takeaways so far, are maybe the big 10 just sucks. Ohio state goes down. Purdue goes down. <laughs> Um, Illinois rolls over their 16, but like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, brackets in decent shape so far. Like I had Ohio state in the final four, but I think most people had them in the elite eight anyway. So it's one of those, like, you know, that, that one pick alone, isn't going to kill you when everybody else had the same thing. So I don't know. It's, it's the best time of the year for sports fans. It, It really is. I do believe that like, obviously I'm a college football fan before anything else but this couple weeks of march madness there's absolutely nothing like it in all of sports and uh it's it's an absolute blast we the group chat is just rolling through our 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 bets our bracket picks like it's it's been electric already so i'm looking to keep that going the the ladies the msu women's basketball team scott we tip off monday against iowa state is that right Yep, Monday, 6 p.m. I don't know what television channel that will be on, but I'm sure it will be televised. So Monday, 6 p.m., you know, shake off the Monday work blues with a, with a nice early evening matchup, a little better than our what felt like midnight tip on, uh, what was that, Thursday night, and, you know, 1020 Eastern was, that was brutal. I mean, I was... I was like trying, I knew once the game started, I'd be able to stay awake, but I was like gassed and it was how it was they terrible. can organize four games and have one of them start at like 10 PM Eastern is beyond me that that was, that was like insulting to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, you know, I, I'm tempted to say we shouldn't have even been in this game, but I guess when you lose that game, it's kind of, you you lose that leg to stand (laughs) on. But um, like you said, kind of can look at all this with an unbiased tint. Now we can cheer on uh, the stronger teams in our bracket to make Michigan's life a little bit harder going forward. We don't have to root against Texas or uh, whoever else was in there. I've kind of blocked it out of my mind, but uh, yeah, maybe the Storm and Mormons will make a run and BYU can take them down. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah, so but it, I don't know. Catch catch Susie Merchant and the ladies on Monday. I, I know they're always fielding a strong team. Susie's always got them tightened up. So uh, that'll get going soon. Other news, we have um, Spartan Vision, the MSU uh, media team, and Mel Tucker basically announced uh, this was Friday evening that they're going to be starting a 
basically MSU football hard knocks. Uh, there have been no details released as of this recording. Um, if there's something else that pops up on Twitter by the end of the weekend, I'll make sure to tweet that out at standing room MSU on Twitter at Spartan Martin 18. We'll get involved with that, of course. But as of now, there's not really any details. Not really sure exactly how this thing is going to look. Is this going to be like a 10-part series? Is this going to be like a, a one standalone two-hour documentary type thing? I have no idea. But I am very excited for it. I think Mel Tucker has a really good personality for this type of, uh, for this type of thing. I don't know about you, Scott. Like for, for me, Mel is he's just corny and cheesy enough. Like it's, it's not too much. He's definitely got that kind of football coach, like, you know, corny sayings and stuff like that, but he's also got enough of a personality that I think it, it'll make it a little bit more compelling. Like, I think we, we could all agree doing something like this with Mark D'Antonio, it would get pretty dry, pretty quick. <laughs> like he he would run out of his bucket, like sayings and talking about like the Rose bowl being the goal. I, I think it would run dry after about 40 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, like you said, there's a certain baseline you have to, a threshold you have to meet with coaching corniness to like be allowed in the club. Um, and, and Mel's got that, but he's, he's, and we've talked about this really from the early days of his tenure as, as MSU's coach, he's got a little bit more of a, a finger on the pulse of the culture around college football these days you know what the kids are what the kids are looking for and what they're into you know he does things like his sneaker saturday uh little stuff like that 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 you know lead me to believe he's a little bit more in tune with uh entertaining a little bit if you will and connecting with the cultural side of the college football world these days so we'll see we'll see if it follows mel tucker around or if it's you know broader than that maybe they're going to expand to different corners of the of the program i don't know and we don't even know is is it going to be weekly monthly i don't we don't know what the format will be um but uh i mean we were talking about this pre-show as an msu fan as an msu i i guess we're content creators if you want to call us that although i i hate that term um this is awesome. I think it's pretty much the most exciting news outside of, you know, personnel and actual players. It's probably the most exciting news we've had this off season. I think just to get a peek behind the curtain of the program and the way things are running. And in a day and age where, you know, recruits can't come to campus, I think at least through like May this year, uh, it's I think a phenomenal way to give them an idea of what it feels like within the program on campus, you know, inside the football building. So really excited on multiple fronts for this and, and we'll see what format it is, but I think it's uh, it's going to be really fun and exciting. Uh, they did say ready to hang out for a couple months. That's what Spartan vision said. So we'll see how long it goes. I guess the spring game, I don't know if this is official, but I'm seeing something online April 24th, which would be just over a month from now. And that would line up with five weeks. So, right. Um, maybe they'll do it through spring game. We'll see. I can't imagine they do it through like May, June. That's a pretty dead time for a football program, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. Really excited and, uh, and looking forward to it. Yeah. The more, the more, the merrier, to be honest, like uh, everything MSU media has done recently has been awesome. So I'm looking forward to like 
keeping that train rolling as much as possible. I think we have some personalities on this team, on this staff. So I think it could be a lot of fun. I think it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Well, obviously when, when stuff like that starts dropping, we'll let you know in case you're not uh, on social media, but uh, yeah, uh, before we get into our uh, projected depth chart uh, position battles type stuff to get you guys ready for what you're going to be seeing here as spring practice is kicking off. Just want to remind you, uh, you can follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. You can follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans. We're starting to get that Instagram page rolling a little bit better than, than we have in the past. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're going to be, obviously, we're going to keep this thing rolling through the offseason. And if you would be so kind as to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, maybe you're listening on Spotify. We appreciate that. Uh, Make sure you follow on Spotify as well. But just pop on over to Apple. You can just type it into your web browser, Google. uh, If you're a weirdo and you use like Microsoft Edge, I don't know. Um, you can find it on there and just drop a little, uh, drop a little comment for us. We really appreciate that as we're trying to build this brand up before, uh, the, the season is, is always creeps up a little faster than you think it does. So with that all out of the way, the self-promotion that is, uh, unfortunately sometimes necessary here, let's, uh, let's, let's start talking about this because like I said, there's been. Um, a a lot of, you know, the early, the way too early depth chart projection type articles that we start getting once the football season ends, guys are out there kind of looking at the, 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 the depth chart, seeing who's, who's leaving, who's coming in this year is a little weirder than normal because there was a lot of uncertainty with super seniors and that kind of stuff. So, uh, a bunch of folks out there, MLive, Detroit News, the Free Press, uh, Chris Soleri, Graham Couch, all of the kind of MSU beat standards, Matt Wetzel, um, that that kind of took their stab at the depth chart projections and, and kind of I, I compiled all of them together just to get an idea of, of where everybody's head is at. And I think there's a couple that aren't really worth even talking about. The, the positions are pretty secure. But there are a few that I think are going to be really interesting, and we'll see kind of what the comments are coming out of spring practice. I don't know exactly how much media availability there's going to be for some of these practices leading up until the spring game. Obviously, there's always a lot of scrimmages, and, and in the past, we've released a lot of information about those scrimmages. I'm not sure exactly what Mel Tucker's kind of protocol is going to be with that in terms of releasing like the quarterback stats and stuff like that. We used to get quite a lot of information. Um, This is going to be the first spring practices with Mel Tucker and this staff. So we're not really sure what his MO is. Does he like to keep everything close to the vest? Not really sure. So we might be in the dark for a little bit until the spring game. I don't know. Um, But as of right now, we do have a little bit to work on as far as some of the beat reporters and what they're projecting, and, and we'll kind of give our thoughts. I want to start with the offense. So it, it's kind of funny. At the, at the time of recording, there's a lot of these guys, they're, they're going to separate like offense versus defense, and they'll have one article with the projected defensive starters, one article with the projected offensive starters. And there were a couple – publications that release the defense and haven't released the offense yet. So 
I have four uh, publications for the offense and six for the defense. So um, as far as quarterback, you have two apiece uh, starting projections for Peyton Thorne and Anthony Rousseau, the Temple transfer. For running back, you have Kenneth Walker got a couple picks. Uh, Connor Hayward got a pick. And Jordan Simmons got a pick. For wide receiver, you had two consensus players, and that's uh, Jalen Naylor and uh, Jaden Reed. And then you had three choosing Ricky White and one choosing Trey Mosley, who's going to be that third receiver, I think is one of the things we'll be talking about here. Uh, Tight end, we don't really know with Matt Dotson. We're assuming he's coming back. I guess I haven't heard it officially confirmed from the horse's mouth. But you have a couple folks with Gillison, a couple folks with Dotson. The offensive line, I think, is interesting. You have R. Curry with three nods at left tackle and Jared Horst, the uh, incoming transfer from Arkansas State, with one pick. You have J.D. Duplain with a clean sweep at left guard. Nick Samak, Queen's clean sweep at center as well. And then at right tackle and right guard is, I guess, a conversation we're going to have as far as where does Kevin Jarvis play? Because uh, you have a couple folks saying he's going to be the right tackle, as he's been for the last couple of years. You have a couple of folks saying he'll slide back into right guard where he started his career and where I think his more natural position is um, with Horst playing right tackle, if that's the case. Uh, Carrick playing at right guard, if it's not. So with all of that, Scott, on the offensive side of the ball, I guess as we're kind of kicking off spring practice here tomorrow, as people are listening to this, like what's the one spot you're most interested to see? Like if you could give the, the Mel Tucker truth serum and say like, all right, I, I get one position. I want to ask you about what, where would you start with that? Um, broken record time. It happens every episode quarterback. I mean, again, we did it last off season. We're going to do it this season. We're going to beat this horse to death and beyond. Um, and I don't want to spend all that much time on quarterback because like I said, we're going to talk about it forever. We're going to, I, I'm really anxious to see the spring game. I think that's going to give us a lot better Intel. I honestly have been going back and forth on Thorne and Rousseau um, ever since the announcement that Rousseau is going to transfer. And I still have no clue which way I'm leaning. Um, they both have a lot of strengths and definite weaknesses. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, running back, I don't think there's really a need to say this guy's the starter because it's going to be a rotation throughout the year. I mean, Joyner didn't even get brought up in there. He'll get some reps, um, wide receivers. That third spot is going to be a rotation as well. So you can say who's the starter, but you know, there'll be multiple guys there. I'm really interested in the offensive line, specifically the right side, um, but the tackle situation as well. If I had my choice, I would put Jarvis at right guard, put Horst at right tackle, and put Arcuri at left tackle. Um, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit at some point, Kevin, over the last week. Um, Matt Carrick in one of those games, we thought it was the Penn State game. We didn't look back to verify, but he's a guy who can just have an absolute off day and, and pretty much shut down the offense. If he has to be in the game, if he's having one of those days and Kevin Jarvis, when he's healthy, I think has a much higher potential and, and probably a higher floor as well. And I mean, I know we haven't seen Horst on the field yet, but he was piped up as a guy who can come in day one and <clears throat> see the field and be a reliable tackle starter uh, in the, 
in the Big Ten. So if if all that's true, I think it makes the most sense to keep our Curie at left tackle where he's been playing for over a season now. And uh, and just have Carrick in there as a rotational guard. Obviously, you want a strong rotation in the inside of the offensive line. So I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out. Again, there will be a rotation in the offensive line as well. So we'll have our starters, but there will be other guys, especially in the interior, coming in and out. So we'll see how it plays out. But, uh, yeah, quarterback and then that right side of the line is where I'll, I'll have my eyes on most of the time. Yeah, I the offensive line, I think, is really interesting because of Kevin Jarvis and the incoming Jared Horst. I think that throws an interesting wrinkle into it. Like I I'm with you. I think the preferred way of doing it would be Kevin Jarvis sliding back inside to guard where I think it, it just, it looks like a more natural fit for him. I think the problems with Jarvis when he was like on the field was he did struggle at times in pass protection. He is a, he's a very good run blocker. He, he will get nasty he will get under your pads and he will drive people. And that's much more valuable on the inside than it is on the outside. And on the outside, you're the thing is with pass protection is when you're on the outside, there's no help. Like you can put a tight end in there to chip the defensive end. Okay. You can put a running back in there to chip, but when you're on the inside, you're playing in that proverbial phone booth, right? Like, you, you have guys on either side of you. So even if it's a great pass rusher on the inside, like there's only so much room you have to work with. So when your struggle is with that kind of lateral quickness, there's, you can kind of limit that on the inside because you have a center to the left of you. You have a right tackle to the right of you. Like there's only so much space for, for that defensive lineman to work with. So when you're out there at tackle, you're kind of on an island sometimes. And, and if you have that fast burst, like really athletic defensive lineman that you just can't keep up with, like there's only so much you can do. So uh, I do think that Jarvis is a much better fit, more natural on the inside. And from what I've seen of Horst, sure, it's at the Sun Belt, but he was an all Sun Belt player. Uh, he started 19 games at left tackle. So I, I do feel more confident right now. Again, obviously, without having seen him at the Big Ten level, like, yeah, that, that's going to be a concern, of course. But that's not to say that he hasn't gone against other Division One football players, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not somebody who's coming in, like, from high school. So I think there is a level of trust that I have there. Is it, you know, given the job day one? Of course not. But uh, the the interesting wrinkle that we haven't mentioned yet is Jordan Reed, guy who started two consecutive seasons every single game for Michigan State, opted out of the 2020 season, and we don't know if he's going to be coming back yet. Again, as of recording here, March 20th, uh, Mel Tucker hasn't named him specifically by name as, you know, hey, one you know, the seniors that are coming back. So, if Jordan Reed comes back again, a guy who started a ton of games at right tackle for Michigan state, that throws a very interesting wrinkle into this whole thing. Um, so I, I don't know uh, what's going to shake itself out there. I guess like, you know, my projection right now 
it's impossible to say because we don't know what happens with Jordan Reed. Um, and again, is he in football shape after a whole year off? What has he been doing? I have no idea. I don't have answers to these questions and, and really nobody does. So that's going to be a fascinating storyline. Like you said, the right side of the offensive line, I think the left side is pretty secure. Like I think the only thing that could happen is maybe Horst overtakes our curate left tackle. Like Horst played left tackle at college at a high level our Curie has been okay, but you know, I, I would say he's far from being like the, um, the, the stable, steady left tackle that you, you can plug in there at the preseason and just know he's going to be a bona fide starter. Like maybe horse beats him out for the left tackle spot. I don't know. I would say though, the, the most likely is our Curie JD Duplain at left tackle, Nick Samek at center. I would say those three are probably safe. But yeah, the offensive line, we're going to need to, we're going to need that unit to step up uh, at the end of the day. And obviously Chris Kapilovich has a good history. Uh, we, we loved that hire. Uh, we, we've spoken glowingly about him, but you know, after a full season, you, you're finally getting your first real off season. Now it's time to see some progression. We're going to need to see that or else, you know, we'll criticize him just as much as anybody else because um, you've at this point after a full spring this year and going into 2021, you'll have had enough time with these guys to, to start really getting this unit together and, and start figuring something out. So that is one thing I do want to mention there is like, yeah, this offensive line has been bad for a while, but we're paying this guy a lot of money and there's a reason for it. So we're going to need to see some progression out of that unit this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know what it is about MSU offensive lines, but every year I, f- I have this feeling that, Hey, it's going to come together. And when I look it's at like the experience, the, I, there's something, I feel like the last like six years we've had, you know, the most returning starters or whatever mm-hmm. in the big 10. Like, I don't know how we we've consistently done that. It doesn't really make sense, but yeah, every <laughs> year we, we have the returning experience. And I, the, the combo of Duplain and Samak starting inside, I have a lot of confidence in those two guys. They're, they're guys who made an impact when they were really young in the program. And they already, I mean, they still have a good amount of eligibility. They looked confident last year. Um, and, and it's a good anchor on the inside. If our Curie can stay healthy, he's, he has a lot of experience outside. And I think most people would say, yeah, he's got a couple plays here and there that aren't the prettiest, but all in all, he's been a very serviceable and strong left tackle. So if we can nail down the right side and those younger guys continue to, uh, to progress, I think we could be in for a better season at offensive line. But I say that very hesitantly because I've said the same thing like the last five years and everybody knows (laughs) kind of how it's been since the older two Allen brothers cycled out of the program. And uh, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle. So take that with a grain of salt, but uh, keep your eye on the offensive line could be a, a fun, fun group to watch. Yeah. I mean, like we're going to return all seven players who started at least a game last year. Again, we could return Jordan Reed, who started a bunch of games. We have a a guy coming in from Arkansas State who started 19 games. Like, you see all that experience, you're like, oh, okay. Like, that seems to be the one thing that links, like, a good offensive line is one that's played together for a long time. And like you said, who knows? Um, Yeah, other than that on offense, like, you touched on quarterback. We'll talk about that enough. I don't really need to beat that right now. 
running back I do think is interesting. You have Kenneth Walker, who's been productive at Wake Forest the last couple of years, really stepped up this last year, uh, obviously on fewer games uh, than, than the season before, but really, you know, has been a guy who made plays. Scott, you've mentioned this before when, when we brought him in, that that Wake Forest offense is really freaking weird. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's going to be an easy transition for him. Like, I don't know, I'm guessing he didn't play that way in high school. So, you know, it's obviously not something that's like ingrained in him, but it is a weird transition for him going from that offense to more of a, a pro style type um, with, with Jay Johnson and what he wants to do. Uh, but I, I, he's the most productive guy on this roster as of right now, uh, unless you want to count Eli Collins who, you know, again, like we've, we've brought this up. Like every time we talk about the running backs, he's just that forgotten guy who almost ran for a thousand yards two years ago. Like I, I have no idea what to expect from this group besides from Connor Hayward. I know exactly what to expect from Connor Hayward because it's exactly what we've expected the last three years. Guy who's going to go in there, get like eight touches a game. Uh, Every once in a while, the coaches will ride him as like a hot hand because he's averaging 3.9 yards a carry instead of 3.2. And and that's just what we're going to get from Connor Hayward. That is what it is. Joyner he's going to be a fan favorite just because of the size athleticism. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that he has like very little college production. Like he has barely stepped on a college field at Auburn. So I, I would be shocked if he was like a day one starter, I would be very surprised if he's a guy that, um, you know, going into week one makes like an immediate impact. I would think, like Jordan Simmons and Kenneth Walker are kind of the two guys I have my eye on as, as probably the guys who will lead the team in carries this year. Uh, but again, like Eli Collins, maybe he just, there was a weird uh, miscommunication last year. Maybe he just, you know, didn't get off to the right uh, first impression with the coaches. I have no idea. He didn't look great in the carries that he did get last year. I think there's something to be said about that. Like there, there was the one, I think it was against Indiana. He took a little screen pass out of our own end zone. And it was the one little burst that we saw from Eli Collins that it was like, whoa, okay. Like, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, he broke a couple tackles, made a nice play. But other than that, it was a very uninspiring season. So yeah, running back group is very interesting. I think we have what Eli Collins, Connor Hayward, Harold Joyner, Jordan Simmons, and Kenneth Walker. You have five guys who I think can and will take snaps. Yeah, and you got Brandon Wright in there who had who even scrapped a couple snaps last year going into his sophomore year. He's going to be looking for a bigger role too. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out and we'll get a chance to see if they stick to a committee approach like they did in previous years or if somebody really takes the reins and starts to produce better than the rest of the guys if they start to identify a bit of a bell cow um, we don't really know through year one because our options were limited last year, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. And I think, like you mentioned, we've got a lot of great options and, and should be able to find a hot hand or two to really produce a little bit more out of that position this season. And defensive side of the ball, I think, you know, we'll move over there. I think there's really, as far as like what we know right now, there's one conversation that I think is very interesting. Uh, other than that, 
I don't know. There's not a whole lot of like compelling storylines. You have a defensive end, again, going back to these projected depth charts, tallying these things up. Jacob Panishuk was a starter on every single one of them. Drew Beasley was listed on four. Drew Jordan, the incoming uh, transfer from Duke, was listed on two. So you might have an interesting mix there. But for me personally, like I think this defensive end, with when you include Michael Fletcher in there, I think it's going to be a pretty steady four-man rotation anyway. So as far as who's the starter, who's getting a little bit more snaps, I, I don't think is that relevant or important. Defensive tackle, I feel kind of similarly. Jacob Slade was listed as a starter in all of them. He started all seven games last year. That shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, and then you have Jalen Hunt listed on five, Deshaun Mallory listed on a couple. Um, again, I think that's going to be a three-man rotation. I don't think it's going to really matter who's the starter. I, I think all three of those guys are going to get a ton of snaps. Chase Klein and Noah Harvey, both clean sweeps, unanimous as far as who's going to start at the two linebacker spots. Dun, dun, dun. And <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now. I don't like as far as storylines, right? We can talk all we want about like good player, bad player, but I don't think linebacker is a compelling storyline right now. Uh, and then the defensive backfield, I do think is very interesting. So there's two spots that are pretty safe to say. You have Kalon Gervin is going to be one of the outside corners after a very good 2020 season. And then you have Xavier Henderson, who's going to be one of the starting safeties. I think everybody could, could agree on those two. The other spots are anybody's guess. So you have Angelo Gross. I, I don't know if I can speak for you, Scott, but I'm very confident in saying that he will start. Will he start at one of the outside corner spots? Will he start in the nickel? I think is the question there. If he starts in the nickel, um, who's the other outside corner? Is it Chester Kimbrough, the incoming defensive, uh, the incoming corner from Florida? Um, is it somebody else? Like our, our cornerback is, is a pretty thin spot right now. The other safety spot, is it Trey Person who started, I think, five games last year? Is it Michael Dowell who started a couple games last year? Is it Darius Snow? Is it somebody else? Again, like, I think the defensive backs, when you get past Kalon Gervin and Xavier Henderson, is where I want to start. And I think that's definitely the most compelling, maybe the most compelling storyline on the roster. Like, if, if we toss out quarterback, because obviously that's going to be number one. I think the defensive backs are fascinating. Yeah, no, and, and the, the fun part about spring football and specifically the spring game is that we do get to dive beyond just the starters on, you know, we get into a two deep and we'll see how they determine their rosters for that game, um, whether they do some kind of coaches draft or, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, linebackers, the starters right now, Klein and Harvey, I want to go back to that really quickly. But I'm interested to see kind of who fills in behind them as the as the two deep at linebacker. Are you going to get the freshman now, Deote? Are you going to get um, Hightower in there? We'll see. And are they going to look good enough that maybe at some point in the season they can give one of those starters a run for their money and a run for their position? Again, we will see. Um, and we'll just see where Klein and Harvey are in relation to where they were last year. Um, but, but yeah, I think the story here, you know, you went through the defensive line and they're, they're going to be rotating. They're going to identify who's better in run protection, who's better in, uh, pass, not protection, excuse me, run, <laughs> rushing. protecting the end zone from <laughs> the right. runners. 
I, there's, That's right. You can you can spin zone that one. So uh, yeah, and, and the defensive ends, who's better, you know, at the pass rush versus kind of containment on the outside, and so they'll they'll play those cards. But we've got a strong uh, rotation, like you mentioned, at both inside and outside. But yeah, the story will be in the defensive backfield. I, I agree with what you said. Gervin will be on the outside. Henderson will be strong safety. Um, and then you've got three spots. You've got your outside corner, your nickel, and your other safety over the top. And it's, I mean, we have five guys listed here that I think it will be three of these five between Gross, Kimbrough, Dowell, Person, and Snow. We talked a little bit. I, I don't really see Snow as a free safety. I don't see him and Henderson covering right. over the top together. I think he might be able to play like a safety linebacker nickel hybrid um, if he's athletic enough for that it would be less of the third corner and more of like a you know a, a nickel linebacker in that situation but if you want a bigger you know run stopping lineup maybe you throw him in there against a team that plays more tight ends and less you know three wide receiver sets we'll see how they play it but um, it's going to be interesting I think he's definitely a guy they're going to want to get on the field this year in some capacity. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for me, it's, it's really, where are they going to put gross? And, and if they put him on the outside, who's going to play nickel, if they put him on the inside, who's going to play on the outside. And I think that decision will be more less about where gross fits best and more about who else fits well I mean if Chester Kimbrough's ready to play on the outside I think they'd love to put gross on the inside he looked great there last year um if if we don't have another outside corner that looks ready I think we're going to be our, our hands kind of going to be forced to play the guy who has some experience in gross and put him out there and see how he does but um that's all speculation we're not going to get an answer until the season really but but we'll get a, a little bit of a, a peak um in the spring game and uh yeah, I mean, regardless of who we put there, unless these guys take a huge step up, that's going to be a, probably the biggest question mark on the entire team, you know, going into the first game of the year this fall. Yeah, and like as we, you know, keep moving forward into this like evolution of the game of football, like your defensive backs are so important nowadays. So it's it's a really important position, you know, like, the times of, of just the offensive line, the defensive line, you win the game through the trenches, like that's kind of done. Like obviously offensive and defensive line still win games a hundred percent. But when you're going up against an Ohio state, who's marching out first round wide receivers every single year, you're going up against even a Michigan who's putting out some NFL wide receivers. They don't really have the quarterback to throw them the ball, but that's a different story. You need guys who can go up against these dudes. And that's Chester Kimbrough. Like he's going to have to live up to his recruiting ranking here because he played in some like 13 games at Florida. He was never a starter. Um, I don't have like, they don't have on the Florida Gators website, like the, the amount of snaps that he played, but he, he played enough. Like he's, he's got three or four passes defended. He's got, uh, I don't know, seven, eight, nine tackles. Like he, he's played, but uh, 15 tackles, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's something where we just haven't seen it. Uh, he's been in college football. He's been in the SEC. He's been competing for a couple of years now. So 
you would like to think that, yeah, certainly he would be ready to step in. Um, but it's, it's a difficult position. It's a very, one of the most difficult positions on the football field. And it's one that you have to get right. But I think you make a very interesting point there because Angelo Gross, from what we saw, is best at, the, at playing the nickel. He's a playmaker. He's, he's somebody that you want just around the ball, around the line of scrimmage. He's a good tackler. He seems to have a knack for just being around the ball and making plays. But this isn't about what's best for him. It's about what's best for the team. And it's similar to the conversation we just had about Kevin Jarvis. Like, is he better at right guard than he is at right tackle? Yeah, I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that after seeing the sample size the last couple of years. But did he have to play right tackle last year? Yeah, because that, that was what was better for the, the total unit of the offensive line. And sometimes you just have to make those decisions as a coach. Like, is this his best position? No. But if we don't put him here, like, who else are we going to put here? So I think, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see some of the names that pop up again. You mentioned as well, like some of the depth pieces that we start seeing in spring practice and the spring game, because like, I, I don't want to wish this upon anybody. I'm knocking on wood, right. As I'm saying this, but like, if we get one or two injuries in the defensive backfield, man, if we are in a bad spot. Yeah. I think the only, I mean, we have a lot of guys lined up behind Xavier Henderson to try to take a run at the two deep at, uh, at the bigger safety spot. But beyond that, I mean, we've been playing Trey person at free safety for a year and a half now, and he has not looked great. So that speaks to the depth behind him. We haven't really given anyone else a shot there, save maybe David Dowell on a few snaps. Um, Michael Dowell. Yeah. He, he started two games last year, but it, it was, it was more of a rotation. I know mm-hmm. person missed the Indiana game, right? That was the game where we had like four defensive backs who were out like Gervin was out. Uh, Cause I, I remember that being the game where we were missing three or four defensive backs and Julian mm-hmm. Barnett, like still didn't get on the field. And that was <laughs> when it was like, okay, yes, yeah, yeah. something, something's up here. I, and I, we talked about that on the podcast and maybe, at the time we didn't realize like how significant that was, but now that he is transferred out of the program to Memphis, you kind of look back at that Indiana game and like, there was, there was no better opportunity to get him on the field and we still pretty much refused. Yeah. Maybe we should have uh, kept a closer eye on that at the time, but <laughs> Yeah, and if I remember correctly, when we were having issues at that second safety spot when Person was out, I think Gross even went up there for a few snaps as well, um, just to speak to his kind of Swiss Army knife uh, ability in the defensive backfield. But that's definitely, you know, where I'll have my eyes. Again, I mentioned the two deep at linebacker. I mean, we have Klein and Harvey, but we have I, I personally have no clue who's going to fill in behind them I'm really excited to see if Nateote can can get cracked the rotation. I know that's a guy that a lot of the fans were excited to 
have on campus. And there was some chatter, some questions about whether he, he could push for a starting position. I don't think he will for the first couple of games, but you know, he's very athletic. If he shows something to the coaching staff beyond kind of what our expectations are now, I wouldn't put it out of the picture. Um, and I know you've been excited to see Hightower coming up through the ranks here. And with some of the attrition oh at that position, I think he's, he's right up there as right now, I'd probably peg him the number three linebacker on the team. Um, but, uh, but a lot to be seen still. So excited yeah, that to see was, what kind of good. That was an interesting question. Like, cause you had some of these like consensus starters going into the year. You have Chase Klein and Noah Harvey, a linebacker. You have Jacob Panashuk, you have, Kalon Gervin, uh, Xavier Henderson. And I, I guess the question would be like, who is most likely, like if we take injuries out of it, of course, who's Mike most likely to not be in that starting spot by the end of the season. And yeah, I guess you would assume it's one of the two linebackers just because they're probably the two weakest of those players. Like Kalon Gervin, I thought played really good football last year. Xavier Henderson has been a good player for us for a couple of years. Um, and we talked about the defensive line. Like, I think those guys are going to rotate so much anyway that it doesn't really matter. So it's got to be one of those two. Klein has shown flashes of potential, but hasn't really put it all together. Harvey, I just, I don't see it. But, you know, I guess, you know, he does his job in the run game when it's between the tackles, uh, if, if we're paying compliments here. But, yeah, I guess it would have to be one of those two. But yeah, when when is Nauteote ready? When is Hightower ready uh, to take those spots? And we'll hopefully start to see that as we finally, finally, finally get spring football. It's been a long time. Uh, spring game is one of my favorite things every year. Uh, we generally go, uh, there, there have only been a couple years where I've missed the spring game. Generally are going free not many people there. You can kind of spread out a little bit. You got uh, plenty of room in the bleachers. Uh, they always have a sale at the, uh, at the apparel stores on the outside. So you can get some cheap gear. Uh, it's a great time. I, I have no idea. I'm guessing they're not going to be allowing fans just given the nature of, of where we're at. I would, I, this is a conversation for a later time. It, it kind of sounds like the momentum around different big 10 programs is trending that we might have fans in the stands. For the fall, for the spring game, I would assume probably not. So um, we're, we're definitely going to be excited for that. Spring practice kicking off tomorrow as you're listening to this, which is very exciting. Finally, something new for us to talk about. We've been rolling this once a week since the football season ended like three months ago. And uh, I, I think to our credit, I think we've done a pretty good job of, of keeping the content rolling. We haven't really seen our listener base drop off a whole lot. So I do appreciate everybody for sticking with us. And uh, hopefully as spring practice kicks off here, um, we're going to get a little bit more uh, support. So if, uh, if you know anybody who's looking for some information as spring football is here, Michigan State basketball is uh, officially finished. The season is over. So kind of gears will start flipping back towards football in the next couple of weeks here. So uh, make sure you tell your friends and family about the Standing Room Spartans podcast. We really appreciate all the support from all of you to this point. Scott, anything else before we wrap this thing up? 
No, I mean, excited to keep rolling through this tournament. Um, Again, keep an eye on the Standing Room Spartans bracket pool. If you are one of the listeners who has joined us, we're really excited to see how that plays out. Should have some fun on Twitter with that. We may need some some help identifying some of these these brackets that not all of them include names or Twitter handles. So um, actually, while I'm on that note, if you are in the pool and you are willing to rename your bracket, just rename it your Twitter handle so we know who the heck you are. We can give we you a follow. We should have told people to do that. That's that's probably our bad. <laughs> yeah, so if there's a way, let us know. Um, maybe as we just tweet about the tournament, we'll, we'll tweet some updates on how the pool's looking. And if we mention you as, you know, having a strong bracket, just uh, drop in the replies. Let us know who you are so we can, we can pipe you up, throw you a follow. And in the event that you win, I think we threw out that we will – offer to have you on the podcast for a quick uh, mailbag segment or you can pick the full topic for one of our episodes if you're not comfortable or able to join us so excited for that a little bit of fan involvement we're always looking for ways to do that it's not always easy these days so um yeah get involved go find us on twitter and we'll have some fun with it and uh, we'll keep rolling through spring football alongside the tournament so we're ready for the spring game when uh, when the basketball tournament wraps up All right. So yeah, make sure you stay tuned with all of that stuff until next week where uh, we'll hopefully have some more stuff to talk about. That's coming out some news and notes coming around spring football until then enjoy March madness. Enjoy the brackets. Hopefully everybody is, is having a good time with that. I wish you the best of luck and without further ado, go green, go white.